Our text this morning is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you would help us to grasp the gravity of the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might hear it, that we might accept it into our minds and hearts, and that we might do it, for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the Marine Corps, we had standing orders, and they were known as the general orders. We had to memorize them, repeat them, live them, and breathe them, so that to this day they are still engraved upon my mind. General order number one, take charge of this post and all government property in view. Well, Jesus gave us, his ambassadors and soldiers of the cross, standing orders. You may notice that we memorize them, we repeat them, and we live and breathe them so that they are engraved upon our minds and our hearts. This Trinity Sunday morning, we'll see our Trinitarian standing orders. Trinitarian standing orders. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to begin in verse 16. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16. You may recognize that we're looking at here is the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ, which we repeat each Sunday during half of the year, which is known as the proper seasons. Verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Now notice this. This is after Jesus has resurrected from the dead. This is at the beginning of his 40-day period where he's coming and going amongst his disciples. And he says that they are to go to Galilee and they are to go to a particular mountain. Now, what mountain might this be? What well, appears that it's the Mount of Beatitudes, the place where Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. Why here? Well, what was begun here is a dry run. You may remember Jesus correcting the traditions of the leaders of Israel, the things they had massed over on the commandments of God, illuminating them as well, because the kingdom was about to break in, and these are regulations for kingdom of God living. And it's about to go fully live. The day of Pentecost is just waiting in the future. Going on to verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Here in the Greek it says, auton, pros e kunesan. At the middle of that is pros kuneo, that's the Greek verb for to worship, and it means literally to fall down. Worship means to fall down before and to prostrate oneself. And we see here that they bow down before Jesus. Does Jesus here say, hey, don't do that? Does Jesus say, stop, don't worship me? Angels say to men when they bow down before them, don't worship me, worship God. You're not to bow down before men in worship or to bow down before angels, but here they worshiped him. They would have bowed down with their faces to the ground, and Jesus accepts it. Why? Because he's the God-man, and he's risen from the dead. But notice, some doubted. Why did they doubt? I think perhaps it just all seemed too wonderful to believe. They couldn't fully comprehend it. They couldn't grasp it. They didn't want to believe that Jesus has risen from the dead just as he said. But soon it all come to make sense to them. Going on to verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Kids, you recognize that from each week when we have that recitation at the end. I give you your charge. And I do this. I say to you, the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ to remind you of who we are and what we are about. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Given? Now, Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. And as God, he had all power and authority. We're told in John chapter 1 that he spoke the worlds into existence, that all things were created by him and for him. He holds all things together. So why given? Because he's also a man. Because the second person of the God had also took a human nature to himself. And as a man, he had to obey his father. He had to walk through this life in complete obedience. He had to suffer and to die. And now having been resurrected, all things are given to him, to the man, Christ Jesus. And it fulfills Psalm chapter 2, where it says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority on earth. All authority on earth. There's no reason to be afraid of earthly authorities because in reality, Jesus is Lord. And all things are moving for his purposes, even things that may seem bad to us that we don't understand. God is using to perfect his people and to bring his kingdom fully to bear. All authority on earth, all the multitudes of kings and kingdoms, all the emperors and all the empires, all the presidents all the prime ministers of all the great nation states that will ever come to pass in this age between the first and final coming of Jesus are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. All authority in heaven has been given to Jesus. All authority over the inhabitants of the spiritual realm. All authority over the righteous angels and over the unrighteous fallen angels. All authority over the righteous dead who've gone on to heaven and the unrighteous dead who are in hell. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me for Jesus is our high king. He is our emperor. You ever wonder what an emperor is? An emperor is a ruler over an empire and an older way of saying that is a high king. That is, he's a king over other kings and kingdoms. He's the greatest of kings. Every emperor that you see over the British Empire where the sun never sets and 25 to 30% of the entire landmass and all the population of the earth was in this great empire is nothing compared to King Jesus. For Jesus is the high king, the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, not only over earth, but over heaven. And he's our Lord, and he loves us and cares for us and knows you and cares for you, even you kids. He knows you and cares for you, even this morning. Can I hear an amen to that? Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore. You know the old saw, right? What's the therefore, therefore? Well, it's modifying something that came prior to that, right? Go therefore, therefore, why? Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations because Jesus is high king over all. He says, go therefore. His authority is our authority. Friends, we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I've said this before, when we think of ambassadors in the modern world, it's quite a different concept of an ambassador in the ancient world in the context of which these words are being spoken and which Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. In the ancient world, a great empire sends an ambassador to a kingdom. And they come and say, join us like the Romans do. We'll bring our roads through here. We'll give you aqueducts with fresh water running to your cities. We'll give you access to our sea lanes. We'll give you access to our trade routes so that all the goods of the world flow into your kingdom as part of our empire. Isn't that great? But if you don't join us, we'll come and conquer you and you will submit. You see, friends, that's what we say to the world. We say, believe the gospel. Come, join us. Be blessed. Have your sins forgiven. Be reconciled to God. Have your sins and your rebellion washed away and be brought into the body of Christ. But if you don't, on the last day, our king is coming in judgment, and you will be judged. We are ambassadors of the king. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. Mate tusate. That's the Greek verb there, which says make disciples. It means one leads others to be followers and learners. We are to make followers and learners of the nations. We are to make followers and learners of all nations. There was once a man who had been condemned by a Spanish court to be executed by a firing squad. But since he was born in England and was an American citizen, ambassadors from both countries lodged protests. These protests went unheeded, and on the day of execution, the two ambassadors, ordinary, unarmed, unreinforced men, boldly approached the condemned man who was already tied and blindfolded, prepared for execution. And they threw their flags, the Union Jack and the stars and stripes over him. Then one of them yelled, fire a shot if you dare. If you do so, you will bring the powers of our great two empires upon you. Frustration and fear followed for the Spanish. But the man was set free because of the awesome power that these ambassadors represented. How much more power do the ambassadors of King Jesus and the legates of the kingdom of God represent. Kids, do you realize the power and authority that lies behind you, the Holy Spirit moving ahead of you, even as you witness the faith to other kids? The kingdom of God lies right behind and all around. Let's continue here. Verse 19 in the second part. So we are to make disciples of all nations, and then what do we do? baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, baptizing them literally into the name, into the name, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the revelation of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, and be, be blessed forevermore. Now, baptism is death to life. Think of all the motifs that we see carried over from the Old Testament to the New. A lot of people don't notice this, but if you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, what do you see? You see the flood. You see the flood in the Old Testament. What happened at the flood? 
We see that the world was deluged, was immersed in water, but we see the ark floating above, the rain coming down. The ark is life. The ark is resurrection in a sea of death. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says what? He says the flood was the shadow or type of the reality of baptism. Baptism was the fullness of what the flood represented. What else do we have? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Red Sea passage. And we see there that a nation of slaves living in death in Egypt brought out, come to the sea, and it parts, and they pass through the sea. And the psalm says that the clouds burst forth over them. Apparently they were sprinkled. And they passed through the midst of the sea, and it was life. And then it closed and immersed the army of Pharaoh. We also see the many washings in the Old Testament, oftentimes translated as baptizo or baptism, when it was taken from Hebrew into Greek in the Septuagint. One of those is the washing of the ash of the red heifer. For seven days you went through a ritual of cleansing with streams of living water mixed together with the ash of the red heifer. You touched a dead body. Now you become symbolically dead. You need to be cleansed. You need to be baptized. Baptism is death to life. It's transferred allegiance to the triune God from the ways of the world, and it is a sacrament. A sacrament. You ever wonder what a sacrament is? Sacrament comes from the Latin word sacramentum. When the world was changing over the Christian world from speaking Greek as the language of the people into Latin, the Greek word mystery, mysterion, which we have in the New Testament that sets forth these mysteries, Baptism and the Lord's Supper? Well, they took the word sacramentum to represent that. The sacramentum was a ceremony that a Roman legionnaire went through after he went through his training, normally about one year. And they had to pledge their lives now and give their allegiance over to their commanding officer for 20 years of service, which was an entire lifetime in the ancient world. They had a ceremony where they had the tattoo of their legion put on their arm, and now they belonged to the legion. They were in for life. And the early church recognized that baptism functioned that way. It was a sacred thing. It was a sacramentum. It was a pledge of allegiance. And God was moving through it by the power of the Spirit. And now you're allied with the kingdom of God. Verse 20 in the first part. So they've been baptized now. What? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teach them. Teach them. Teach who? Teach the nations. Notice that we don't just preach the gospel to get people saved. It doesn't just stop there. What do we do? We make followers and learners. We baptize them. They transfer their allegiance from the world to God. And then we teach them to observe everything that Jesus has taught. We teach them the word of God. And where would this ordinarily happen at? In the church. In the church. Do you see how these are standing orders for the church This is a commissioning for us as the people of God each week to go forth and do these things. We make followers, we make learners, we baptize them, we teach them to observe the word of God in our little space and time. We're part of this great tapestry that's going on right under our feet this morning. Thousands and perhaps hundreds of thousands of people across the world are being brought into the kingdom of God and we take our place in the midst of that with our great commission. Going on to the second part of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. 
Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember this as you hear the Great Commission this morning repeated once again in our service. Remember what Jesus has said and tells us what to do and finishes off by saying, I am with you always to the end of the age. The king is with us, his ambassadors, until we are with him on the last day. And he sent his Holy Spirit to us to bring his presence to us always. Antiochus Epiphany, the great Greek king of the Seleucid Empire and persecutor of the Jews, was making war on Egypt when he ran afoul of the Roman Republic. While he was besieging Alexandria, the Roman Senate sent their embassy staff. Rome was a great rising power at this point in time. So they sent their embassy staff. Would it be this great retinue of ships filled with men? No, it was one wizened old senator wearing a toga and a young lad carrying a bundle of sticks tied together with an axe inserted in it. It's called a fasci. That's where we get the word fascism from. It represents the unity and power and authority of the Roman Senate. The message of these two Roman ambassadors was clear. Leave Egypt now or make war with Rome. For these ambassadors, though they were just two small people, had the vast power of the Roman Senate behind them. The old senator walked over to Epiphanes, took a staff, and drew a circle around him in the sand. And then he told him, make up your mind before stepping out of that circle. Antiochus Epiphany stepped out of the circle and took his army and left Egypt. Friends, you are ambassadors of Christ, and you've received your Trinitarian standing orders. What are you going to do about it? When governments turn against Christians and terrorists seize control around the world, when the culture is changing for the worse right under your feet at rapid speed, Remember, all authority and power is in Jesus' hand. And when you wonder what your job is as the church, remember that we aren't just supposed to get people saved, but we're to make disciples, to teach them all Jesus has commanded, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so, brethren, this morning, we've seen our Trinitarian standing orders. Let's get busy following them. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless us this day to not only hear the Great Commission, but to do the Great Commission. And we cannot do it without the power of the Spirit in us and moving through us. We pray that you would bless us to carry out whatever little pieces of the Great Commission this week that in the aggregate moves the kingdom of God forward. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.